would welcome me. I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free. Oh, it's free and deep. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Free at last, he has ransomed me. His grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Genesis Gathering. Uh, my name is Matt, and I'm filling in for Pastor Jeff this week. Uh, we've had an interesting morning, so um, we're just happy to be on live right now, and uh, we're happy that you're here with us, and happy to see all of you. Uh, glad you could make it this morning. So um, we're going to do a few announcements, and then we'll have a little bit more worship, and uh, there we go. We got one up yet? Okay. <laughs> it's coming. All right. So um, we like to take your prayer requests live. Um, so if you have a prayer request, you can text it. This is my personal cell phone number, and it's just going to start buzzing up here if you text, and we'll, we'll pray at the end. So if you don't have it right now or if there's no hurry to get it in, uh, just go ahead, text that number uh, with your prayer requests. You can also um, share them on Facebook. If you're watching on Facebook Live, you can just um, share your prayer requests there on Facebook if you're comfortable doing that. Okay. <laughs> and if you are part of Genesis family uh, and you would like to give, you can give online. Oh, sorry, this is where you can watch online. Yeah, we, we are live streaming this, and you can go to YouTube. Um, you can also watch it on Facebook, and you can go to our website at genesiscc.net. Next announcement. All right. So. <laughs> okay, we're going to go to worship now, and we'll be right back. Sorry for the 
confusions. I search the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise, treasures that fade.
us. Welcome to the Genesis Gathering. Um, we're glad that you've joined us this morning. Good to see all of you here well, as well. Good to see you, Barb. 
Uh, we're going to do some announcements real quick, and then we'll jump into today's sermon. The announcements are coming. All right. So, uh, first, if you are part of Genesis family, I errantly messed, uh, mentioned this earlier uh, on the wrong slide. So, uh, But you can donate if you're part of Genesis family um, by going to our website, uh, genesiscc.net, and click on donate. Also, you can text give to, do I know the number? Uh, we'll get to the number. Um, so you can also text to give, but uh, if you want to give, you can go to our website, genesiscc.net, and uh, click on give. Or text to give, there you go. <laughs> the text to give information is also up there now. And um, so, um, next announcement. Okay. Yeah, we did the prayer thing, so if you have prayer requests, you can text them to my number, uh, 720-937-0850, and uh, we'll get to those prayer requests at the end. Are there any other announcements? Okay, we're good. <laughs> we got through that part. Okay, so today we're continuing uh, the series, um, re Reductive, um, Keeping the Main Things the Main Things, and today's sermon is titled... Performance, success, and relationships. And uh, this is something that uh, kind of has been on my heart for a very long time. And by very long time, I mean probably two or three years where um, this has been something that has kind of been growing in me uh, about what is important in my life. And so we have an engagement question today. Uh, our engagement question is, what is one thing that you have done that makes you feel successful? And so if you're familiar with our sermons, we, we take about five to ten minutes. Uh, we ask a question, and you can text to the same number, uh, 720-937-0850. What is one thing that you have done that makes you feel successful? And it doesn't have to be a huge thing. Um, and, uh, you know, it can be basically anything. Uh, what is one thing that you have done that makes you feel successful? And this is kind of just going to be our kicking off part. So when, you, when I start receiving messages, uh, I'll go ahead and read them. Also, anybody here in the, the auditorium, if you, have, if you have something that you would like to share, Lisa can bring you the microphone. My lovely assistant, Lisa, will bring the microphone and you can say your things live. So if you have something to share, you can go ahead and just raise your hand. What is one thing that you have done that makes you feel successful? Tommy has one. Became a father. Became a father. That's Became awesome. a father. That is awesome. That's a really good one. I have that one too. Um, I don't know how much role I played in, in making that successful. I, I mean, I know I had a role. So, <laughs> but uh, yes, I think that's that's something that is a great accomplishment as being a parent. Yeah. Yes. I I raised my son by myself. So raising a son to adulthood by myself, I know it's a real success. He is a wonderful man. That is, that is incredible, and you get to see the fruits of that. Um, so that's awesome, too. Let's see. I've got some coming in here. Okay. Let's see. Successful. Having really strong friendships as an adult um, is, this is from Tracy, Tracy text uh, that, ha that helps her feel successful having really strong relationships. Do you have any on Facebook? Okay. One thing that I have done, this is from Tanya. Tanya, we can always count on you. We know you're always going to be there. Uh, one thing that I have done that makes me feel successful is being a mom and watching my kids grow. So you can continue just uh, texting to me or Facebook. Oh, we have another one. Uh, one thing that makes Luis feel successful is loving on others, and it, it, it fills him just as much, if not more, than them, than when he gives love to others. So that is a, a great way to, to feel successful. Okay. 
Let's see, what else do we have? All right, and we can wait a little while longer if you see anything else come up on there. Anybody else in here want to share? Okay. Um, I'll, I'll share one. Um, this, is, this is a little bit uh, surface, uh, but that's okay because there's really no requirement on this. Uh, I am in an actual band, and we play shows, and we write music, and that's something that actually makes me feel successful because my whole life I kind of wanted to be in a band. Uh, and never really was. I always felt like I had the talent to be in a band, but just really never had the right situation, never knew the right people, and um, things kind of aligned. I wasn't even trying to, and, uh, you know, some friends of mine, we, we sing karaoke together just for fun, and uh, they have a band, and eventually they found a need for someone to play piano. Now, I didn't play piano, but I decided I could figure it out, and uh, was able to learn how to play piano, and now I'm in the band. So we're actually recording a record today. Uh, after this, we're going and we're recording. It's, a, it's an EP, very short, just two songs so far. Um, so we're going to be recording those and then producing those over the next few months. So that's, for me, that's something that feels very successful. <laughs> Great, thanks. All right. Uh, Tanya again. Uh, I also feel successful when my friends reach out to me for advice. That is, that is a really good one, too. Um, I wish that happened more for me. <laughs> uh, okay, I have one from Nina. Having an amazing daughter who, chooses, who chose an amazing husband. All right. <laughs> All right, Nina. <laughs> uh, glad Nina's watching. That is Lisa's success. But <laughs> okay. All right. I did get another one. Uh-huh. Jeff says, when we have a good service without any gotchas, no hang-ups or, or <laughs> technical issues, that's, that feels like success. It definitely does. Okay. So maybe not today, but someday. Okay. All right. Well, if we get any more, I, I'll share them uh, right now. I think that's all we've got. But thank you for participating in that. It gives us a good place to jump off because all of the things that everybody mentioned, I'm going to kind of talk a little bit about in my sermon. So, uh, are we, we're up there? Okay, so go ahead and start the presentation for me, Jeff. And we're already, the engagement question, and let's go to the light yoke slide. Just give me a thumbs up. Okay, so the light yoke, this is something when I was a young Christian, um, I had a lot of anxiety about whether I was a good enough Christian. And when I compared myself to other people that I saw, I felt like I was not a successful Christian. And then when I would hear this verse, I heard it many times, um, it was always something that gave me a lot of hope. That this is a light yoke, right? And, well, this must mean it's going to get easier. Um, and maybe I just need to work a little bit longer, a little bit harder as a Christian to get to the place where being a Christian is easy. Because if it's a light yoke, it probably should be easy, right? So the verse says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And that can be found in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Um, so then I started to think about what I saw or what I learned from church and religion. Uh, I grew up in an evangelical church, and what did I learn from religion about Jesus' yoke? So next slide. Jesus' yoke. Number one, be like Jesus. How hard could that be? <laughs> um, to be like Jesus, uh, all you have to do is live a perfect life, not have sin, uh, have a perfect relationship with God the Father, Provide miracles, right? Uh, you have to uh, walk on water, heal people, cast out demons. How hard could that be? That's Okay, that's impossible. All right, uh, so be like Jesus. People talk about that. I want to be like Jesus, right? So it's an inspirational thing, and I, I want to be like Jesus. But sometimes when you're holding yourself up to that standard, that can become stressful. All right, the next one. Treat others like you want to be treated. And we know this as the golden rule, love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
love your neighbor as yourself. Treat other people like you want to be treated. And this is something that is very important to me and very important, I think, to most everyone. It's just really hard to do because when it comes down to it, if I have to choose me or the person next to me, and in some cases the person next to me is someone I don't know, Am I going to give up the seat on the bus for that person, or am I going to take the seat? Am I going to take this lane in traffic, or am I going to let that person cut me off and go? Um, am I going to um, work extra hours so that someone else can go to dinner with their family? Those are the types of things that are difficult, right? And so treating others like you would want to be treated, you would want someone to pick up that extra webinar, those of you listening, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and that stuff becomes difficult, right? Because we have the things we want, and putting someone else first puts us at least second, maybe third, maybe later. Um, and that's hard to do. Okay, so next, share the gospel with every nation. Woo! <laughs> all of them. You got to reach all of them. Uh, and by the way, this is, this is not what I think Jesus' yoke is now. It's what I was taught Jesus' yoke was. Um, how many of you remember the 1040 window? Does anybody remember hearing about the 1040 window? This was a, an area on the globe, and it's like latitude from 10 to 40, uh, or longitude. I'm not really sure which one is which, but uh, it's a window where there are hundreds of nations and tribes of people that have never heard about Jesus. And our job was, I was told this as a young child and a teenager, to reach all of them. Make sure they all hear the gospel. And that is stressful. <laughs> okay, so next, um, these are the things that you, you might uh, stumble into in your life. Don't get drunk. Don't swear. Don't lust. Don't gossip. Don't envy. And don't have any other gods before the one true God. Those things I think we can all agree are good. But throughout your life, Trying to live that kind of perfect life where you don't have these natural reactions, things like envy. I see someone with something nicer than I have, and I have envy. Or um, you're in a situation where someone is not around, and you're talking with someone else, and the, the other person that's not there comes up, and you have the opportunity to say not nice things about them. And oftentimes, that just rolls off your tongue too easily. So lots of things, okay? Next, read your Bible and pray every day. This is something that brought me a lot of guilt for most of my life. I didn't do that. Uh, I, was, I went to a Christian school and uh, would be in a Bible class where we had a journal, a daily journal, and the daily journal was due every other week at the end of the week, and on Thursday night, I would be drawing, I would be writing in all my journal entries from all of the two weeks before and putting the correct date for each journal entry. Uh, which basically means I didn't journal or have a quiet time or read my Bible at all during those two weeks. I just spent about two and a half hours making it all up on Thursday night. Um, and then, you know, beyond that, it was always like, I know I need to be in the Word. I know I need to be reading. I know I need to be praying every morning and talking to God. I just didn't do it because there's a lot of stuff that I have to do. And finally... Um, this is one that got me a lot when I was young. I just constantly repenting, constantly asking God for forgiveness for what a horrible person I was because I thought if I died in it any, at any time and I hadn't repented and I hadn't asked Jesus to cover the sins that I had since the last time that I repented, that I might not go to heaven. Um, so anyway, this is what I believed Jesus' yoke was. So next slide, Jeff. Yeah, that's, that's a little bit better imagery for me, for what my yoke was, what, what I thought Jesus' yoke was. <laughs> Someone is actually pulling the cows by their reins on their nose. Um, and that's, that's basically how I felt. I felt like people in my life, religious people, or maybe God himself was pulling me along, dragging me through the mud so I could plow. Now, an interesting thing about a yoke uh, a yoke is obviously something that a, a cow wears that you put around a cow's neck and you can tether two cows together. Uh, and the cows, um, they can pull more. Two cows together can pull and they can pull a lot more weight. So they can pull a cart, they can pull a plow. 
Um, if you just had one cow, it would be very difficult for that cow to do that, but with two of them together, they pull much more easily. But there's another definition for a yoke. Um, they use the same word. In Jesus' time, each rabbi would have followers, their disciples. And you, you're very familiar with Jesus and his 12 disciples, but there were actually a lot more people that followed Jesus than just the 12 disciples that we all know about. But anytime someone wanted to be a disciple of a teacher who they called a rabbi, they had to follow specific rules that their rabbi determined were the most important. So their rabbi would have a list of all these things. You have to, you know, you have to do this cleansing ceremony and you have to abide by this uh, ritual and all of these things. And there would be all this list of things that you had to do to be a disciple of a specific rabbi. And when Jesus said, my yoke is light, or my yoke is easy, he was not just talking about this metaphor of a cow pulling weight and doing work. Uh, he was talking about the list of things that you have to carry, the list of rules that you have to follow is short. And this is something I didn't know about. I heard someone preach on this uh, a few years ago, and I didn't realize that a yoke was more than just a piece of wood holding two cows together so they could pull more weight. Um, so we'll get back to this, but I want to go ahead into the next slide, Jeff, um, because I want to shift gears and I want to talk about the non-spiritual side of life. Um, and what are the, some of the burdens that you carry in your life? Go ahead to the next one. There's, there's this performance mentality that I think is really um, pervasive in... This country especially, but uh, I felt it in my life. I'm, I'm a people pleaser. Anybody else a people pleaser? Yeah, and it's a, that's, that's a burden all by itself. But um, I find myself trying to perform for all of the people in my life. I find myself trying to become something better so that people accept me. And I feel like that is always been something with me since my earliest memories. I can remember I had three older siblings and was just constantly trying to impress them. Um, always, everything in the back of my mind, I was always measuring myself against something else or someone else. Am I good enough? Am I acceptable? And it created for me a huge amount of insecurity. Um, this insecurity kind of carried into academics. I wasn't a great student. I had plenty of mental power, but I just, I didn't have the work ethic. I didn't have the focus. I didn't have the organizational skills. And I had a lot of insecurity because I was not a good student. I was somehow accepted into a university and I studied mathematics for five years. And I don't know how I graduated with a mathematics degree because it was so hard. And I like, when I look back at what that meant to me, I only finished because I wanted other people to think I was smart. It's the only reason I finished that degree. And it was, I'm glad that I did. It was difficult. People, people in my life that know me probably don't know that, but uh, I've failed at least three classes in my major and had to retake them. It wasn't easy. And I'm going to stop crying now because this isn't that sad. <laughs> um, but all that to say that I was carrying this incredible burden to be something for other people. I didn't study math for myself. I wanted to be a math teacher, and I knew that I would, I would be good at that, but I... I chose that degree because I thought it would be impressive to people. And I finished that degree because I needed people to accept me. And that was, that was my performance mentality. And it stuck with me. I still have it. Um, you know, even today in my job, I, I feel like I have gotten to a place where I'm very proficient at what I do. I feel like I have a lot of gifts and talents. Uh, but at the same time, I'm always thinking about I'm not good enough at answering emails quickly. I'm not good enough at organizing my tasks so I can be uh, efficient in my day. I'm not good enough at communicating with people what I need so that 
things are taken care of in advance. And those are the type of things that still, to this day, cause me stress because I have a performance mentality. Um, go ahead and go to the next slide because I want to ask, what, is, what does success look like for you? And I'm just going to let you think on this for a little bit. Um, what, is, what does success look like for you? And I, and I don't want... I know there's a lot of cliche answers like, people that love me around me, you know, and, and, I, and I'm not saying that's not success, because it probably is, but I think that all of us, deep down, we have a, something that we feel like we need to get to to be successful. And what is that thing? What does success look like for you? So I was doing a little research on this because I wanted to see what other people thought success looked like. And um, there was an article published in Inc. Magazine, INC. And uh, there was a, a research study done by Discovery. And they surveyed 1,000 random people. They were all different income levels and socioeconomic groups. And the 1,000 people that they surveyed, the top four answers that came out, what, what would success look like to you? These are the top four answers. I would feel successful if I had a home that cost twice as much as the home I'm currently in. And they, they had people answer other questions about their, their home and other, you know, their financial situation. The average home value of the person that the people of the people that were surveyed was $200,000. And most of them answered that they would be happy if they had a home that cost $400,000. Regardless of the size, I suppose. I just moved to Denver. They're all $400,000. Okay. Uh, the next thing was a car that is two times more expensive than the car that I have. A very interesting trend. You have people that want a house that's twice as expensive, they want a car that's twice as expensive. If you're driving a Honda, you want a Lexus. If you're driving a Lexus, you want a Porsche. And um, the next one is, I would feel successful if I had a housekeeper, someone to clean my house, do my work for me. Barb, <laughs> Barb is in agreement with that one. Uh, and then finally, um, they would feel successful if they had enough money to take expensive vacations. And so those are the things, right? And so when you randomly survey 1,000 people in the United States, success just looks like more money. More money buys me a bigger house. More money buys me um, a nicer car. More money would allow me to hire a housekeeper, someone to clean my house. Uh, and more money would allow me to take more vacations. And I think that probably... Most of those answers seem really shallow, uh, but I think most of us do want something that's nicer than what we have. The research study went on to, to refer to another research study that had been done where they, they basically rated people's happiness, or they had people rate their own happiness, and they found that people with low income had less happiness and satisfaction, People with high income had less happiness and satisfaction, and they found a sweet spot. The sweet spot was $75,000 per year. This is where the happiest people exist. And if you go above $75,000, the higher you go above $75,000, the less happy you become. And, and conversely, below, the same thing. And so it kind of tells you something, right? That the bigger house isn't going to isn't going to make you happier. The nicer car isn't going to make you happier. The vacations might. I mean, I like vacation. <laughs> um, but, but basically, the things that we tend to think of as success, um, those are not necessarily the things that are going to bring you happiness. So I want to ask a series of questions here. And, and I'm not going to ask you to text me or anything like that or, or message on Facebook. Just I want you to think about it. Uh, because there were four areas that most people 
when surveyed said they had, they felt the least success in these four areas. Number one is work. So there's a picture of Jeff Bezos. <laughs> um, if you're, if you're judging by money, the most successful man in America, or the world, actually. So he's worth, according to the Google machine, he's worth $190 billion. And was worth a little bit more than that until he got divorced. Um, so could be, could be worth more than $190. But um, for me, actually, I'll just let that, that question sit, to you, sit here with you. Do you feel highly successful at work? This is one of those areas that I do not. Uh, I feel like I'm good at my job. I, I do feel that. Um, but I feel like there's a lot of things that I need to be better at. And so success is elusive, and maybe it's just me. But I'll say for a very long time, I have felt inadequate uh, at work, and I have felt not good enough, and I felt like other people around me achieve things more than I do. All right, the next one, Jeff. Do you feel successful in your friendships? I like to be... Um, I like to be vulnerable when I preach. I don't know if you've heard me preach before, but... Uh, I'm very vulnerable. Uh, Lisa is the person in my life who is the best at friendships and relationships, um, plutonic types of relationships, uh, and she's taught me literally everything I know about being a good friend. Uh, I will tell you that probably, this is, this is a, a pretty accurate statement, I think I only had two good friends when I met Lisa, uh, and that was at age 37. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Lisa and I knew each other when we were little kids. I used to go to Pastor Jeff's church. He was Pastor Jeff. At that time, he's still Pastor Jeff. He's also father-in-law Jeff. Um, so when we reconnected, I had probably literally only two good friends. And Lisa had this ginormous network of friends and so many friends that it was a little bit stressful to me. Like, how do we, how do we, how do you tend to all of these friendships? But she was incredible. She was very intentional, and she is someone that I would say is very successful in friendship relationships um, because she she gets it. She like invests in people, and I will be honest and say I was not very good at that, and I didn't really know how to do that. But Lisa has taught me a lot, and uh, I've become a better friend, I think. But for you to consider, do you feel highly successful in your friendships? The next one is tough for me also. <laughs> just, it's just a next slide. Uh, this is just a, a gauntlet of places I don't feel that successful. Um, so, as a parent, I have three children, and I, um, you know, 16, 18, 21, and it has been a slog uh, the last five, six, seven, eight years. Um, teenage years are tough, and not because I have horrible children, they're all amazing. Um, really more because it's really hard to figure out parenting. There is no magic formula. There is no manual, in fact, uh, and regardless of who you talk to, you will get different advice because everybody values different things, and I feel like we're all screwing up our kids, and none of us knows what's going on, and it's the grace of God that they <laughs> turn out okay. Um, yeah, I think I'll leave it at that. Um, I, I could have been a better parent. And I wish I had done some things different. Uh, no, I know. I'm, I'm still working. <laughs> uh, I'm still working. But it's, a, it's an area where I don't really feel successful. And maybe someday I'll feel like you and I can 
<laughs> look back and say, I did okay, because they turned out okay. Um, and the next one, finally, romantic relationships. Do you feel highly successful in your romantic relationships? When I met Lisa, um, I was in the process of trying to save a plane on fire going down quickly. I was uh, married for 15 years, and it was, um, that wasn't easy either. I, I was divorced. Actually, I was in the process when I met Lisa again. And for me, I didn't ever think that was going to be me. I had a good marriage. I was a good husband. We had good kids. We were a good family. Um, and I think if you look on this uh, God hates divorce, right? And so when you're raised in that religious uh, environment, that's the worst thing. Don't do it. Don't go there. Don't get a divorce. And I wish um, I wasn't a perfect husband. I, was, I thought I was pretty good. I wasn't. Um, the divorce wasn't my choice, but at the same time, I probably could have done things better and avoided it. Now, turns out, things worked out okay for me. Um, but I went through a bad, bad time um, because of my romantic relationship collapsing, and it was hard. And I, I felt like a failure. Um, I worked at a, at the time, I was working at a Christian school. Um, and I had to admit to all of my students and all of my coworkers that my, my marriage had failed. That wasn't easy. So, go ahead, next slide, Jeff. Is your burden heavy? Do you feel like you're carrying a lot of weight? Do you have a lot of stress because of your work, your friendships, your family, your romantic life, are you carrying a lot of weight? I, uh, I mentioned I was working at a private school, and um, I worked there for eight years. And it was a really great place for me to work because it, it helped me become a better professional. It helped me become a better teacher. It helped me pay more attention to the things that I was doing and not doing to serve my students. Um, it was a, a time of, of intense growth for me. I always look back at my 30s and I just think that was a hard decade of my life, but I also grew the most. And this job was bad for my self-esteem because when I was hired, they told me this is the top school in the state. We only hire the top teachers and we expect the best out of you. Now, people who are sending their children to this school are currently paying $21,000 a year for tuition for high school. And so not only does the school expect incredible things out of you, and they said, we are, our goal is to be the number one school in the country. They want to be the top school in the country. And I'm supposed to help that happen, right? And I am me. And I might not be the top teacher in the state of Colorado, so I probably don't deserve this position. Um, in addition to that, when parents are paying $20,000 a year for tuition, they have very high expectations of the teachers as well, because if my student isn't getting a perfect GPA, and they're not going to get into the college that they want to because they're not getting the grades, then that's probably something to do with you, the teacher. And so I spent eight years just clawing to be good enough in that position. And I spent a lot of time believing that I wasn't good enough to be in that position. And when I finally, I actually want to talk about kind of a, a seminal moment in my lifetime. Um, I was, it was at the end of 2017, and we were at an award ceremony for students. And every year, there was this... Uh, Excellence Award Ceremony for the top students. And we had about 
you know, 1,000, 1,100 students at the time. And they're honoring the top one or two or, yeah, about, about 100, 100, 150 students are going to get awards that night. And their awards are in arts. The arts department is insane. Um, mathematics, uh, English, writing. Um, and then they also do, like, philanthropic things. We did missions trips, and these kids would do service projects. And I was sitting in the spring of 2017 in the auditorium watching students on the stage that had accomplished more in their lifetime at 17 than I had in my lifetime at 39. And I felt very low. I did not feel good about myself. Um, in addition to that, they, they always selected the top teachers to be the ones to present the awards. So the top math teacher would go up and select or would present the award to the top math students. And in seven years, I had never been selected as the top math teacher. I'm pretty sure I was never even, my name was never even in the hat. Um, and I was sitting there thinking, this is pathetic. I feel insecure because of a whole bunch of 17-year-olds, and what have I accomplished in my lifetime? Comparing myself to them and comparing myself to the other teachers, we had a lot of teachers at our school that were PhDs, and I had a bachelor's degree in mathematics, and I was not as good as all the other teachers. Now, the truth is, is that I was a pretty good teacher, um, but when I'm comparing myself to all of these other teachers, and when I'm comparing myself to the students who are graduating from this school and getting full-ride scholarships to Stanford and Harvard and MIT, um, that makes me feel not very good about myself. And I was sitting there feeling really low and really depressed in this auditorium. And it's one of the few times in my life where I know I heard God talk to me, like, in a voice. You know, it wasn't out loud. Nobody else could hear it. But I, I heard specific words. I don't care. I don't care what you've done. I just want you to walk with me. So all of the, the pressure left me that day. And it was also the day I decided I wasn't going to work there anymore. <laughs> um, God doesn't care. He doesn't care what you've accomplished. He doesn't care what you're going to accomplish. He cares that you have a relationship with him. He cares that you walk with him and that you get to know him and you build a relationship. That was heavy for me because I had spent my whole life to age 39 worried about what everybody thought. And deep down, I was worried what God thought too. Go ahead to the next slide. My performance mentality dominated my relationship with God. I thought God thought I was a loser. I always thought that that I was just barely hanging on, and it was the grace of Jesus, and if Jesus hadn't died on the cross, whew, man. And that God was always disappointed in me. Not so. God is not disappointed in you. And he was not disappointed in me. So, I want to go ahead and close up. Um, go ahead to the next slide. Everybody knows the answer to this. Uh, <laughs> it's too easy. Um, so I want you to go ahead and say it out loud. God needs blank for me before he can love and accept me. God needs nothing. We all know the answer. But how much of us are carrying this burden that we're not good enough, that we need to do more to be successful? I have a theory that success and relationships have an inverse correlation. The more success you, really, you, you achieve in life, the less successful you become in relationships. And I think the same thing is true with God. The more you try and succeed, the more you become a good person on your own strength, the harder it is for you to connect with God because he doesn't care about those things. So what does God need from you? 
Go ahead, next slide, Jeff. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Now, this is from Micah, and this was hundreds of years before Jesus came and died on the cross. And it doesn't say anything in here about sacrifices. I think that's kind of weird, because back then, that was the only way they could talk to God, is if they brought a sacrifice and they could clean themselves with, with that. God has always wanted to walk with us. God has always loved us and wanted relationship with us. To me, um, acting justly, sometimes uh, we feel like we haven't acted justly, and I, but I think that the, the difference here is it's not, it's not a specific thing you have to do. It's a generalization, right? Are you acting justly to the people in your life? Do you love mercy? I do. I love mercy because I needed it. I've always needed mercy. Um, and I love it because of that. And it creates empathy, right? And when you love mercy, you love other people because you want them to have mercy as well. Okay, so I want to go back to the verse from the beginning. Um, from Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30. I want to read this again because I think, like me, you might have missed some of the words in this verse, because the focus is the yoke, right? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The part I want to kind of finish on here. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Every time I heard this metaphor before, the yoke metaphor, I assumed I was in the yoke, and Jesus was on the cart. Cracking the whip, right? And it's me and other Christians pulling the yoke. Telling everybody about the gospel, spreading it to every nation, tribe, tongue, Loving your neighbor as yourself. Jesus back there cracking the whip from the cart. <laughs> Pull the cart. Uh, be like me, cracking the whip. The statement that Jesus is gentle and lowly in heart. He's in the yoke with you. He's on the other side of the yoke. And he's pulling the yoke with you. This is a relationship. You are not trying to fix the world for God. You are trying to walk with God. And if you know anything about a yoke, if one cow is walking and the other one isn't, that doesn't work, right? It doesn't go anywhere. It has to be walking together. And that's all it is. In this series, Reductive, Keeping the Main Things the Main Things, I don't know that there's anything more important than that. We get so lost in trying to do the things that we think are required of us to be a Christian. But at the end of the day, it's just about walking humbly with your God. It's just about learning from God. So that's it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and close, and then we'll do the prayers. Father, we thank you for this day. I uh, thank you for everyone who is able to hear this and everyone who will hear it. Um, you have a purpose for everyone's life. You have a plan for every single person, and it doesn't require anything from them. Thank you, Father. All right. Did, I, did we get any prayer requests there? Okay, I didn't receive any prayer requests for, to my phone, so, I, okay, Lisa sent me one. Okay. How much information can I, no? Okay. All 
All right, so I'm just going to pray. We have a prayer request for Bob and Linda for healing, and if you know Bob and Linda, you might know their situation, but um, I'm just going to go ahead and pray for them. And if anything else comes in, just let me know. Father, we come before you, and we know that you care about every person and every soul and every life, and we pray for Bob and Linda right now. Father, we pray that you would bring healing to them, We feel compassion for them, and we know that you do too, Father. And we pray that you would heal their bodies, build their immune systems, and bring them back to whole health. In your name, amen. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a wonderful Sunday.